Greetings, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Rocky River United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, we're hearing from more and more folks that uh, we're doing some splendid things here, but our our name leaves a bit to be desired. So, you know, while it's on the uh, on the brain here, uh, feel free to shoot us some suggestions. I can't guarantee we will take them, um, but you know, we we have some room for improvement with our name. So, uh, feel free to to fire out some suggestions via email. And um, if you like what we pick, uh, then I'll take the credit. If you don't, then it's Stephen's idea uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we continue with our, our uh, series of, uh, of podcast uh, conversations uh, slash interviews with uh, folks from our church and, and our church family. And we're excited to uh, dig into another um, uh, session of that opportunity to hear somebody else's story. Um, for those who may have missed Last week, uh, the process is simple and our intent is simple. Uh, at Rocky River United Methodist Church, it's all about the story. We exist to, to help people meet Jesus Christ in the midst of their story. And what better way uh, to further that mission than to celebrate some of those stories and, and give opportunity for folks uh, to share their story, where they've encountered Christ, um, what their passions and, and, uh, and uh, interests and gifts are, what's unique about uh, their faith experiences. Um, and uh, mostly because uh, Stephen and I, know not only we, we get tired of hearing each other's voices, but um, we have stories that are, are unique but uh, can't necessarily relate to everybody out there. And so we like bringing other folks in so that perhaps you can connect on, in, in areas and in places that uh, you, you otherwise wouldn't in hearing uh, from Stephen and I. So this week our guest is Lisa Thomas. Uh, Lisa's with us today. Uh, her and her husband Frank, uh, her daughter Maddie, I have all been active here in the church for a number of years now. Um, I, I can remember the first time I met them. Uh, blessed to, to have that had happened in, in my time here at the church. Um, and uh, just the way that I've been able to see them uh, grow and, and really dig in, get entrenched here at the church, and, and uh, just touch countless uh, different lives in, in so many different ways. Uh, such a diverse uh, set of gifts that they have and, and share such enthusiasm um, always coming up with incredible ideas. Uh, so blessed to, to uh, have them here as part of our church family, blessed to call them friends, um, and uh, blessed to have Lisa here today to share her story. So I'm not going to steal any more of her thunder. Uh, but rather than just uh, diving right in, uh, Lisa, and, and asking you to share your life story, you know, in 10 minutes or less, uh, we like to, to cover um, you know, the, the, the more pressing question that is on everybody's heads and hearts right now. And and that is uh, the, the reality of the pandemic we're in and how it's affecting you and your family. So uh, I'm going to stop talking, let you uh, just say hi to the folks and address uh, what, what have things looked like over the last few months uh, with you and your family in the pandemic. All right. Thank you, Pastor Paul and Stephen, for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. A little nervous, but um, really, really excited to be here and talking with you and um, <clears throat> just being here. So the, um, the pandemic is just, um, I, I think it's more for me, just a question of, um, you know, what's going to happen? You know, I just feel like, where are we in this world? And, you know, I, I feel like we don't have a lot of truth going, you know, coming out of this. So it's just trying to figure out and navigate you know, where the truth is, what can I believe, you know, so it's just the, um, just the unknowing and um, the controversy that's surrounding this pandemic is kind of, kind of taken over. Um, I know with us personally, 
<clears throat> I've had a lot of time off, so I'm not working right now. I left my job in um, March, so I've been spending a lot of time with my family, which has been wonderful, <laughs> which I think this is a uh, you know what the pandemic has really done for a lot of families. It's just kind of bringing them together, getting down back to the roots of you know their relationships and um, spending more time with my family. We got a camper, so we've been out at the camper, just kind of camping and hanging out and just, you know, waiting for this to be over. But um, <clears throat> I just think it's to the, um, just the controversy and d divisiveness that this whole pandemic has brought on everyone. And, you know, you guys are talking about social media now and, um, <clears throat> or media and um, talked about social media. Um, I don't know if it was this week or yeah. last week. Yeah. This week. Yeah, and then I just see so many posts about, you know, the the pandemic and one person believes this and the next person believes that. So it's just just really tearing people apart. So yeah. thankfully I have not gotten that in my life. I, I mean, you know, my friends and I are still friends. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's really good. Yeah, I appreciate that, Lisa. It's, I mean, it really has. Um, I have noticed that as mm -hmm. well when it comes to the viruses trying to find out what the truth is. It, we live really in an age where misinformation can spread to a million people in 20 seconds. So um, filtering it through, it can be really challenging. Um, but for uh, for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, do you have like, share a little bit about your background, a little about your family. And um, I know you shared just a little bit about your job or I guess yeah. former job as things have changed. Right. <laughs> but um, just sharing a little bit about yourself as people can get to know you better. Yeah. So I was um, born the day before Sweetest Day, so I was this close to being sweet. <laughs> but unfortunately, I, was, I missed it by this much. Oh. Um, you know, to working class parents, I grew up in um, Cleveland. My dad was a laborer growing up. My mom uh, worked at a bakery. Um, I'm the oldest of four children. Um, I have three younger brothers. One of them um, attends church here, Chris, and her, uh, his wife, Allison. Um, I went to Catholic school my whole life. And um, at one point, I wanted to be a nun. <laughs> so um, I got married in 2001. And uh, my husband, Frank, and I will be celebrating our 20-year wedding anniversary next year. So 20 years. I have two kids. Um, Emily is 26. And Madison will be 18 in November. And I have worked in the animal care field for the last... 13 years and then I just recently left there in March so I've just kind of been you know waiting around seeing what's out there so um, I so I've been doing a little writing recently um, getting my feet wet in the in writing um, a lot of time spending with my family just trying to figure out what the next chapter of my life is gonna look like so right now I'm just really busy enjoying time off and excited about what God has for me in the future so all right, thank you, Lisa. Um, what uh, we're looking to dig into today more than anything is we get to uh, hear the context of um, your story and, and some of the characters in it. Um, but uh, we all share a, a mutual faith, a mutual understanding of our identity as, as children of God and, and our uh, kind of joint pursuit of, of God and trying to uh, figure out what it means to follow Him in this world. And uh, I've been privileged to 
uh, to work alongside you in a couple of different contexts uh, since you and your family have been at this church and just seeing uh, uh, an extraordinary faith um, and uh, just a, a spirit about you uh, that is contagious and, and just is uh, evidence of uh, uh, some powerful stuff going on inside. So I've, I have no doubt uh, that uh, we're we're conversing with somebody who has a, a mature and solid faith, uh, but I wonder if you could share the story of that faith. Um, where uh, where did it begin? Uh, what did it look like growing up? What were some of the the uh, things that that prompted change or growth in, in your faith walk? So maybe just share the, your your faith story with us. All right. Yes. So <clears throat> I grew up in faith. Um, I came from a family of very devout Catholics. So my faith journey isn't one of like miraculous transformation or um, over over the top circumstances. Yeah, I just listened to this man um, last week. He told a story. It was an hour long testimony of he used to be a Satan worshiper and he did all these terrible things and then God stepped into his life and it, it was changed. Um, so. Mine's not quite like that. So, but I do have a story where my faith has kind of waxed and waned over the years. Um, and then I had an opportunity <clears throat> to preach at the free store one Saturday when Lynn Gordon, who is the pastor at the free store, she was away. And um, I got the opportunity to preach while she was gone. So um, the reading that morning was from the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10 and it was the story of Zacchaeus I hope I'm saying that right because I always flub up his name okay nobody ever does (laughs) I always flub up his name yeah um it's it's the the story of the short tax collector who was waiting to see Jesus and that reading just happened to be the very first reading I heard my first time at our RUMC so I was really excited to preach on that day and um, really wanted to bring my faith experience full circle. <clears throat> so in my sermon, I used a very true story about a vinyl Jesus sticker that I received as a child. And it also became a metaphor about my faith journey and my relationship with Jesus. So um, that actually turned out to be pretty spot on. I mean, I mean, it was pretty accurate of how my life worked. So I could share that with you if yeah. you don't mind. Sure. So um, <clears throat> I remember, and I'm sorry, my voice gets really froggy when I get nervous. <laughs> I don't uh, remember um, where I got the sticker or how old I was. I was probably about five or six years old. Um, but I remember sticking the sticker on the footboard of my bed. So every night before I went to sleep, I would stare at Jesus and he'd stare back at me. (laughs) So when I fell asleep, he would be there watching me throughout the night. So, and as a small child, I was really comforted knowing that Jesus was always with me, especially in the dark because I was afraid of the dark. And um, I was afraid of my dolls coming to life and murdering me in the middle of sleep. <laughs> so it was great knowing that Jesus was there to per- per- protect me from these these dolls. Totally right. So um, I'd done this for years. <clears throat> so I stared at Jesus until I fell asleep. And then some nights I would talk to him, and it was mostly about what I was afraid of, the dolls, 
Or, you know, I would try to explain to him, like, what, you know, I got in trouble that day, and I was trying to explain my way out of it so he wasn't mad at me. Um, so I had a real relationship with Jesus, even being small, because I knew that he wasn't just a sticker on my bed. He was a real person. Um, and then it wasn't until I was a teenager that I decided to peel the sticker off my bed and put it away. <clears throat> it was around the same time that I started caring more about what other people thought of me and less about what Jesus thought of me. So um, by that time, I was just a little embarrassed of the sticker and what my friends might think if they saw it. So, and I definitely didn't want them to think that I was like a weirdo or a dork or anything like that. So I decided to carefully peel the sticker off my bed, but I didn't want to throw it away. I wasn't ready to give up my Jesus. I just wanted him hidden for a while and only take him out when I wanted to and when it was convenient for me. So I put him in an envelope and I even wrote Jesus on the envelope. <laughs> and I put the envelope in my closet and then that's where he stayed. He stayed in my closet. And years went by and my Jesus stayed in the envelope just like my spiritual life. It was tucked away to the point where I almost forgot what it looked like. Mm -hmm. So during these years, I became less of what Jesus wanted for me and more of what society was shaping me to be. Mm -hmm. And because my Jesus was tucked away, I allowed myself to start feeling worthless. Mm -hmm. And I gave myself anxiety about thinking of all the things I couldn't control because Jesus wasn't at the foot of my bed anymore. And he was no longer the foundation of my life. I had nothing to focus on to help me fall asleep and ease my mind. So then life got really tough and I really wanted to pull my Jesus out of the envelope, but I couldn't. It had been so long since I even went looking for him. I didn't even know where to find him. And I think I may have lost him a little bit somewhere along the way. <clears throat> but then during some of my darkest days, and we all have those dark days, and I've had my fair share and it was during my marriage where uh, things started getting really, really tough. And um, I finally got the courage to cry out to Jesus. And he heard me, of course. And he eagerly stepped back into my life. But I still only wanted him to hang out in the shadows. Because I wasn't sure where I stood with him. The relationship I had developed all those years when I was little just seemed to have ended and it was kind of different now. <clears throat> I felt like I didn't deserve God's help after all these years because I've neglected him for so long. And it wasn't until I went back to church for the first time in 10 years that Jesus did truly enter my life again. So it was on that day, the first day I came here, um, Reverend Dan read the story about Zacchaeus and his story just completely changed the direction of my life. And then when Reverend Dan got to the part where Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home for the son of man has come to find and restore the lost. I knew he was talking about me. So I went home to my family, a completely changed person. Um, Jesus restored my broken relationship with my husband and for the first time, I was really, really able to introduce my daughter to Christ. 
And then since that day forward, I haven't looked back. And I, um, I don't think I've ever been this close to Jesus since I was since I was little. So, um, yeah. That I, honestly, um, I didn't even have to search very far for Jesus because He knew where I would be standing, just like He knew where Zacchaeus was. So. That is um, just a fascinating um, testimony to hear. And um, again, to remind people, we're speaking to Lisa Thomas. Um, and it's just a really fascinating testimony. And I think, um, I truly believe the Lord gives us these testimonies in order to share about him so that others can come um, to know Jesus as well. Because um, I know all of us around here fully believe that Jesus changes lives. Um, and that when we give our life to Jesus, um, he transforms us from the inside out. Um, and this is just a fascinating to hear um, Lisa's story. And, and I really hope it's resonating with you, with everyone who is listening, um, resonating that Christ meets us in the midst of our stories. Um, and this is why the church is all about the story. Um, so, Lisa, what is um, just... I mean, you kind of mentioned a little bit about um, how you came to this church. I don't know if you want to elaborate a little bit more on that. And also just speak about, like, your involvement in the church. Like, I know that you have, you and Frank are are really involved in the church in very meaningful ways. So if you want to share that so our listeners can can know a little bit more about your involvement here at Rocky River. All right, yeah. So, um, like I, I said in the beginning, I grew up Catholic. And my husband is not. So um, when I was, we've kind of went back and forth with different churches and is this the right one? And um, it just, nothing ever felt right. So um, I was talking to my sister-in-law, Allison, who comes here, and they talked about this church in Rocky River that they've been going to and her boys play basketball here and everyone seems really nice and they really love it and um, you should come and try. And, you know, at the, at the time I was already kind of going to a church when a, a friend of mine um, had a church that she invited me to a couple of times, but it just didn't feel like home. I just didn't feel like this is my church. So um, it was around Easter time and I had already promised my friend that I was going to her church on Easter Sunday. So I thought, well, you know what, maybe I'll try out this Rocky River Church the next Sunday. So um, I did, and I you know, walked in. I was like, well, this is really nice. This is a really nice church. And um, we went to the harbor, well, I went to the harbor service, and I walked in, and you know, if you've ever been to the harbor service, there's the rows of like grouping of chairs so I sat in the first grouping of chairs as soon as you walk in so I was like I'm not going to go too far into the church just in case I have to make a quick getaway (laughs) Um, because I don't know what to expect I've never been to a you know a Methodist church before and then um and I picked fourth row from the from the front which I still sit at that's my spot And um, so I sat down, and, and like I said, I heard Dan's sermon, and that was that's all I, that's all I needed was you know he, you know just speaking directly to me. So that's how I got there. And then after that, um, you know, I tried to get Frank to come, and you know, I would pull up the sermon from the day, and I was like, you really need to listen to this. And he's like, meh. 
but eventually I kind of wore him down and I got him coming. So um, he started coming with us, which was has been wonderful to have the whole family. Well, my son working on my daughter, my oldest daughter. Um, but yeah, we got involved right away because I feel like I need to be where Jesus is. So wherever Jesus is, that's where I want to be. So like Twice Plus Free Store is um, very, very, very um, special to me. So um, I'm at Twice Plus Free Store on Saturdays, and um, I help Lynn. She's the um, pastor at Twice Plus Free Store, so I kind of assist her sometimes with things when she's not there. And um, youth ministry, which I love, the kids and hanging out with them. And we have the motorcycle <laughs> ministry, the ADMM, the Armor Disciples, and um, Disciples class, which I love. I love leading that class and just mission trips and things like that. So I want to be where Jesus is. <laughs> Amen. If only it was that simple for all of us uh, to simply just uh, be wherever Jesus is being and show up and and see how he leads um, and, and the things that Lisa just quickly rattled off represent I know hours and hours of, of uh, commitment to to serving the Lord each week um, so I, I just uh, so grateful for her and Frank and the time they put in uh, to each of those ministries because um, they're, they're very integral and some of the, the uh, most impactful things we, we do as uh, a church so uh, thank you to you both um, I want to give you an opportunity, just thinking back over the course of your life, to uh, share a moment when you felt uh, closest to God or where you saw God do something incredible, uh, something that really impacted you or, or changed you. So it, it can be anything, whatever pops into your head. Uh, what is a, a moment when uh, you really saw God at work? So I would have to say there was a time, again, when I was small, I was little, still living um, at home. I was, I think, seven or eight years old. Um, and, and there have been many other times in my life where I've just seen God weaving in and out, small moments, large moments, and moments where I didn't think he was there, but then turned out that he was there the whole time. But um, I have, I, I, there is a short story that I do, and I have shared this before. Um, it almost sounds like a Hallmark movie, but it is 100% true. And I love telling this story, and I've, like I said, I've told it um, in the past to my disciples group because it, it shows how God's deep love and care for us, even in the small details of our lives. So it was um, December of 1981. You guys probably weren't even born then. Um, and my dad, like I said, was a laborer, and he labored in the summer, and then he was laid off in the winter. And then my mom at the time wasn't working because she was eight months pregnant with my youngest brother who was due in January. There was three of us kids. Um, we were ages eight, six, and four. And there was no money for Christmas. So my parents were worried, to say the, le to, to say the least. Three kids, Christmas days away, no gifts under the tree. So if you think about that, for a second as parents I know we're all parents here and you know think about how that would feel to not be able to provide Christmas for your kids I'm sure it was really stressful for them um, so my dad being the laborer meant that he had an old dump truck in the driveway 
and um, he tried selling it months before, but he admitted to my mom that no one is going to buy a dump truck in the middle of winter. So um, at this point, they kind of kind of lost some hope that we, we were going to have Christmas that year. So, and then one evening, there was a knock on our door. And my dad answered, and there was a man standing there, and he introduced himself as Leon. And Leon was very interested in purchasing the truck my dad had for sale. And my dad couldn't believe it. What a circle of luck. Right? When we needed it the most, a man came along, and he bought the truck. End of story. Right? But it quickly turned into a Christmas miracle after my parents realized that Leon's name spelled backwards was Noel. So it's not just an ordinary truck sale story. This was something a little more divine. So a Christmas miracle, if you will. So sent by God to help a struggling family during a time of need. So, and I, and I love telling that story because one, it's a cute and heartwarming story. I think it's a cute story. <laughs> and um, two, and most importantly, I love it because of its simplicity. Um, we always search for God in the big stuff, like cancer diagnosis, and we're like, oh, we're miraculously healed. It must be God and, you know, all of these things. And we're looking for him in these great and awesome miracles, mountain moving, grand gestures, where it was no doubt that that was God right there. Um, but we seem to forget that he's there in the small stuff too. So if we just chalk this up to a coincidence like the story we could have just let it pass by as no big deal like just a guy buying a truck from another guy no no nothing to see here not a big deal but god made sure that me he made himself known by using the name leon and that's the part i really really love about this story that god wanted us to know that he was the provider he provided christmas for us um that year and it forever changed how I saw miracles and how God works. Well, that's really great. Um, and I think you're right. That would make a great Hallmark uh, movie. <laughs> so if, uh, if any Hallmark execs are listening, um, Lisa, we'll can, we can give you Lisa's contact right. information. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, no, that's really great. So I think you've already kind of like shared a little bit about this. So just, um, giving some really, really helpful advice for for any person's walk of faith, whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or you're or you're new. Um, but I want to focus in on that as what advice would you give to someone who's like new to the faith and might have just heard about Jesus, or maybe maybe even thinking about yourself when you were younger and you had the sticker of Jesus right? <laughs> staring at you. What kind of advice would you give? Um, to someone who, who is new to Jesus, new to their faith, or even just exploring their faith? Sure. Um, I would, like just what we're doing here, I would tell them to listen to other people's stories and really hear how um, their faith has changed their lives. And then just take inventory of your own life and really look and see where God has been weaving out. Um, just because you're new to the faith, doesn't mean that God is new to you. God's always been there. So just because you're now just discovering him, it doesn't mean that God hasn't been there the whole time. So and then and then share your faith with others. 
just make sure that your story is heard so you can change other people's lives. And specific to um, being new to a, a church, Lisa, or even being a uh, quote-unquote church shopper, uh, what advice would you give if there's somebody listening to the podcast today uh, who has maybe had an experience in life or, or just a, a collection of experiences where they, they feel compelled to get more serious about their faith and, and to seek the Lord in a more meaningful way, um, and they're beginning to, to look for a place to plug in, a place to call home. Uh, what advice would you give them uh, as they begin that process and, and perhaps as they get then settled into a church uh, to really make it their own and get the most out of it? I would say uh, my advice would be find your passion. Find something that you are truly passionate about and then do that. So if you love to cook, get involved in a cooking ministry. If you love to sing or play an instrument, get involved in the praise team or choir. If you love kids, get involved with the youth ministry. And there's just so much that you can do. But I would say do something that uses the gifts that God's given you because we all have something that we're really good at and really passionate about. And um, I tell you what, you get the biggest reward really honestly when you are in community with other like-minded people and it is truly an amazing blessing and that's i mean i've been truly blessed just to be a part of this faith um family i I can't tell you how many amazing wonderful people that i've met just serving alongside of and i mean that's the biggest reward Mm -hmm. i just can't can't say it enough yeah um do you have any, uh, perhaps a favorite Bible verse or favorite Bible passage or Bible story, perhaps even that, that um, encourages you or, or something that we, you just kind of go back to all the time? Um, I know for me, I have my, my favorite, I call them life verses or um, that I always go back to. Is there a verse or a passage or something in scripture that um, just has that sort of influence on you? I do. So the whole book of Romans just speaks <laughs> directly, <laughs> directly to my heart. It's the whole book. No, So, but it is, it is my absolute yeah. favorite book in the Bible. And I read it and I reread it and I always get something different out of it. Just like everybody, we reread it all the time. Um, but if I really had to pick just one, I would have to say it's Romans 12 verses 19 through 21. And it's the very first sentence in those verses and then the very last sentence that really speak the loudest to me. So the first sentence is, love must be sincere. So if you look up the word sincere, it states that it's an adjective, meaning free from pretense or deceit, proceeding from genuine feelings. But whenever I hear the word sincere, It reminds me of Linus from the Charlie Brown movie, It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I don't know if you remember, in the movie, um, Linus was talking to Sally, who was Charlie Brown's sister, um, about why he thought the Great Pumpkin was going to visit his pumpkin patch that year. So during the conversation, he says, he'll come here, because I have the most sincere pumpkin patch, and he really respects sincerity. So when I was younger, 
I never understood what he meant by a sincere pumpkin patch because pumpkins don't have feelings. How are they? I was just so confused. Like, what does that even mean? So I always thought it was just such an odd way of describing a pumpkin patch. Um, and it wasn't until years later that I finally understood what Linus meant about a sincere pumpkin patch. Um, it was sincere because his pumpkin patch was cultivated for no other reason than to cultivate pumpkins, pure and simple. It was a pumpkin patch producing pumpkins. That was it. That was its one and only function. So, which brings me back to why I love the first sentence in Romans 12, 19, with this new meaning of sincerity, love must be sincere. So we, what? Love for no other reason but to love. So just like a pumpkin in a pumpkin patch, being a pumpkin for the patch, we love for the sake of loving so others are loved. So it's exactly what Jesus is commanding all of us to do. So that is why I love the first sentence. And then um, the second sentence is, or I'm sorry, the last sentence is, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I feel like, as Christians, we always get so caught up in Leviticus 24, verses 19 through 21, which ironically is the same verse numbers as the passage in Romans, which state, anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But in Romans, God is telling us the complete opposite. He instructs us not to take revenge, to overcome evil with good, because I think God knows, like the old saying goes, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Yep. So what happens when we're all blind? I mean, we, we, we would be blind to everything, good and evil. So I, that's how I try to live my life, exactly how God wants me to be a good person and love people. So. That's really great, Lisa. Don't be surprised if uh, Dan or Paul asks you to preach here. At <laughs> right. Preach here, right. so that that uh, and and uh, please don't be offended if I use your examples and if I ever there have to go. preach use I... a sermon. <laughs> so um, we're gonna close with some really fun rapid oh, fire questions. So uh, um, do not worry, Lisa. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. They're super simple questions. So okay, um, what's your favorite sports team? Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. All right. Favorite food? Italian. Italian. Okay. Is it pop or soda? Pop. Pop. Okay. <laughs> a vacation spot. So if you had to choose a vacation spot, would you go to a beach or mountains? Oh, I like the mountains. Oh, mountains. Great. I know. I like the beach too, but I, I would really <laughs> I like the mountains. I like the mountains. Good, uh -huh. good. And then if you had unlimited free time, what would you do? Volunteer at the church. Volunteer at the church. There you go. That's there's what I would win. do. Yeah, there's a winner. Yeah, there's a winner. Um, so you said volunteer at the church. So don't uh, be surprised if we if just call on you, you call, for everything. Right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that was great. So um, just to wrap it up, and um, this is Lisa Thomas, and she was sharing her story, her testimony, and 
um, just sharing about herself and what God has done in her life. And it's just been fantastic listening to her. Um, I know I have been encouraged. I, I know Paul's been encouraged. And I really pray that um, everyone who's been listening has been encouraged by this story. And again, going back to the reason um, that these stories that God puts in our lives and the reason that God does these things in our lives is that in order for us to share it with other people, um, for us to just share and spread the glory of God so that other people can see that, wow, Jesus Christ makes a difference. He can make a difference in my life, just like she, God made a difference in Lisa's life and Paul's life, and he's made a difference in my life as well. Um, so I pray that these, um, these testimonies and these stories um, have been an encouragement to your faith and been strengthening you. And if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, I really encourage you to, to make that choice to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because he loves you and he's reaching out for you. Um, so, yeah, to wrap this up, it's, it's been really great. And we really look forward to um, speaking to and hearing more stories from people here at Rocky River and I Methodist Church.